0: What child is this? I've asked myself that question for about 30 years now, thirsty for an answer. What did I know then of great and mighty things? I was just a girl fetching water the day the stranger came and spoke those curious words to me. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. He must have seen the change in my face, the one I now know to be an angel, because he followed it up quickly with, Don't be afraid. You're going to be pregnant with God's son, and he will do great and mighty things forever and ever, and he will rescue his people. That was the moment it began. It was more than curiosity. I thirsted for more. And somehow I managed the courage to say yes. And so it began, year after year, the thirst I watched in silence as shepherds and scholars came speaking of angels and stars and making grand pronouncements. Hmm. Then one day, I found him in the temple. He was just a boy, speaking wisdom with men old enough to be his grandfather. And I am awed, and I am thirsty. And the very next day, he sits at Joseph's feet and without complaint, learns how to work with wood. And now, my boy, he's grown into a man. Every day, I hear him say and do wonderful things. And I'm reminded of the angel's words that said he will be great and mighty. I hear my son say, I am, I am living water. Do I drink? Do I dare drink? I remember swaddling him, holding him, and singing to him. Yes, I have been the favored one to see him grow into a man. What will he do next? (laughs) Every day is filled with wonder. My baby, my boy, this man, my God. Yes. I remember that night 30 years ago, holding him, so thankful just to be his mother, knowing that this would be no ordinary child. I am still thirsty, but I do believe I know where to find the water.
1: So what child is this is the question we've been asking through this series. What child is this? But, but this morning, we're going to look at Mary in this story. Do you know that Mary was about 14 years old when the angel came and told her that she was going to have a child? Now, I remember when I was 14. Now, I wasn't a 14-year-old girl, but I remember when I was 14, things were crazy. Do you remember when you were 14? When things were, I don't know, a little weird, right? internally in your mind you you wanted to be so grown up but yet you were still a child you know, the hormones are raging your body's changing uh, the perspective on life is is all wild I, I just i think if i was 14 years old and an angel told me that i was going to do something like that i don't know how i would have reacted to that situation in fact i was a youth pastor for many years and so my experience with 14 year old girls is, is is one from that angle. And I I watched as, as, as teenagers would grow up, they would hit this season in life. So, so parents, you got to know there's this season that teenagers go through and, and they, I oftentimes refer to it as the dark side of the moon because you train them, right? You give them training, you, you equip them, you say, this is how you do life, And it's just like the astronauts, as they they train them and equip them, and they they give them all the resources necessary to fly through space. But there's this time when they get around the backside of the moon to where they lose all communication with the astronauts. And when your kids hit this age, when you were this age, when I was this age, we seem to have lost all communication when we run around the backside of the moon. In my years of youth pastoring, I, I witnessed so many parents on their knees begging and crying out to God, please, I don't know what's wrong with my child. Please help them. Please keep them safe. And when, when, when we talked about the backside of the moon and how you've got to just trust that you've raised this child in the way that's going to be God-honoring, they're going to make decisions in this season that seem unusual that maybe are bad decisions. You've got to be grateful that they're going to learn some hard lessons in life while they're still under your roof rather than learning those hard lessons later on. But Mary, she's an unusual 14-year-old girl. Most 14-year-old girls have a little bit of sass, a little bit of attitude. In fact, in those days, I think the perspective on life is that everything just sucks. (laughs) Doesn't matter what it is. Everything just seems awful from that perspective. And so here we have Mary, who is a little bit unusual from the 14-year-old girls that I know. A little bit unusual for this, this age. You see, she's, she's at this place in life where everything in life and hers is changing. And an angel comes and visits her. So let's look at Luke chapter 2. Sorry, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Looking at Mary, why did God choose Mary? I mean, when you think about it, Mary was just kind of an ordinary girl. Mary was an, was an ordinary girl. She, kind of, she grew up in a fairly typical house. Her dad was kind of a middle-class, blue-collar worker. He was a tradesman. He was a a carpenter. They grew up in, in kind of a standard family. Didn't seem too rich or too poor or too this or too that. Just kind of in the middle. Mary was an ordinary girl, kind of living a somewhat ordinary life until this angel showed up. It's interesting how God chose Mary to do this thing. You see, Mary was chosen, but Mary wasn't divine. Mary was chosen, but Mary wasn't divine. In fact, if you go and look, the, the, the Catholic Church has almost elevated Mary to this divine place. And it's almost as if they've put a lot of extra emphasis on her that it maybe is a little bit beyond what the Bible has given. But sometimes as Christians, we could almost go the other way at times and, and basically downplay her role, even though, well, I think there's a healthy balance in the middle. You see, Mary was chosen for something, chosen for a great purpose, really, and a great plan. Sometimes there's a temptation in our life to give God's creation more significance than we should. Like angels are a pretty important part of God's plan, but, but they're created by God for one purpose, to serve God as God desires. If they are involved in the lives of humanity, it's because God has placed them there. So it is God that we honor, not the angel. It's okay to honor Mary in her role that she played. It's okay to, to say, hey, you know what? She was somebody who was obedient to the Lord and did some amazing things. She was, she was really called to a really high calling. It's okay to honor Mary in the midst of that. And in fact, I think even as Christians, we should give honor where honor is due. Mary was a unique person to be able to handle this unique set of circumstances and this unique challenge. I think if an angel had come to me, I don't know if I would have accepted that. I I don't know if Mary could have said no. Maybe she could have. But I don't know if I would have had. I think I may have been overwhelmed personally if I was in her shoes. So to consider what she did, to consider the sacrifices that she made, in order to do this thing that God was calling her to do was a significant thing. But it's important to note that although Mary was special, she has no place in our redemptive plan. Although she was special, she was the one that carried the Savior. She was the one that helped raise the Savior. But, but the, she was not herself the Savior. I believe if Mary had said no, God would have been able to find somebody else to serve this purpose. You see, it's only by the shed blood of Jesus that you and I can have forgiveness of sin and open access to God the Father. Mary needed to have her sins forgiven just as much as you and I do. However, she is... God's chosen for a special blessing and deserves more remembrance than an occasional picture on a Christmas card. So we know a few things about Mary. Mary was an ordinary girl. But we know this, that she was a teenager. Mary, Mary was a teenager. Most scholars believe between 13 and 15 years old. She was a virgin. This is pointed out at least three times in the scripture. She was from a middle class family, blue collar kind of guy, carpenter. Or she was engaged, yeah, carpenter. There's some business kind of aspects to it there. She was a devout believer in God, and she was engaged to be married. Mary was approached by the angel Gabriel and given a very shocking message. She said, This, you you are you are highly favored. What? I like that. that. That's good news. I'm highly favored. I can get on board with that. The Lord is with you. Okay, that's good too, right? That's exciting. I'm highly favored, and the Lord is with me. You're going to have a baby. Uh, well, okay. That's a little awkward. Um, there's some technical things that have not happened yet in order for me to have said baby, but um, okay. And you're going to name the baby Jesus. All right. If I'm going to have the baby. I don't even get to name it. Okay, all right, whatever. I'm I'm still going. And the angel says this, he will be great, called the son of God. He will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will never end. There's something interesting in in this passage where it says he'll reign over the house of Jacob. All, All through the Bible, we see instances where God changed the name of people in the Old Testament. He changed the name of Abram to Abraham. He changed different people's names through scripture. And, and almost every time, once God made the name change to somebody, he only referred to them as their new name, not their old name. And when you read the passage of when God changed the name of, of Jacob into Israel, he, the same phrasing is there as, as when he um, talked about changing the name of other Old Testament greats. But for whatever reason, God continues to have these reference points where sometimes he calls the same person Israel, and sometimes he calls that same person Jacob. It's it's always been fascinating to me to to see that. And so as I was studying, I was like, why did he call it, I'm going to rule over the house of Jacob? Because Jacob was the old version, and he wrestled with God. In fact, Jacob was called the deceiver. He was the one that was a trickster. He was um, a little bit of a, a problem child. In fact, if you look, he actually stole the birthright from his older brother. And, and he, he was a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a little manipulative, a little bit of a challenging character. And there was a day where Jacob was wrestling with the Lord and wrestling with an angel. And, and it says in there that in that moment, God changed him. He touched his hip. He actually walked with the, a little bit. Of, of a limp. Jacob had a bit of a of a gangster lean as he walked around after that point. You know, he had a little bit of a swagger to his, his step because of this moment that happened. And in that moment, God said, I'm going to change your name to Israel because you've been touched by God and I'm, you've a changed person. But why did God continually say, I'm going to come after Jacob and Israel? And, and I find this, this fascinating. And, and he says, I'm going to rule over the house of Jacob. See, if I was God, I think I would say I'm going to rule over the house of Israel. I'm going to rule over the the people who have been redeemed. I'm going to rule over the ones that, that have already been touched by God. But see, God says, no, I'm going to come and rule over both sides. I'm going to rule over those that have been touched by God and those that haven't been touched by God. You see, God wants to rule over your Jacob just as much as your Israel. The part of you that that you don't want people to know about. The part of you that you really don't want to brag about. I mean, when you think about it, right? Like like if I'm going to brag about somebody, I'm going to brag about their good side. If I'm going to tell you a story, I'm going to tell you a story of where I look good. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you the story of where I look bad. But God says, I'm going to rule over your bad side too. I'm going to rule over the the whole thing. Not just the good side of you, but I'm going to rule over the whole side. Both both those that are close to God and, and those that are far from God. He will be great, called the son of God, and he will rule, he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will never end. Huh. So is there any wonder why Mary was troubled? I mean, that's some like big heavy stuff, right? Hey, you're awesome. You're going to have a baby and you don't get to pick the name, but I'm not even married. I can't believe I'm a virgin. This isn't really going to work. If you think about it, in that day of age, there was more stigmatism over somebody getting pregnant outside of marriage than there is today. Today, it's a fairly common thing that you, that you see. And, and, and no condemnation for, for anyone here today. I'm not, that's not the purpose of what I'm bringing up. But what I'm bringing up is, is back then, the persecution was heavy. In fact, some people were put to death because of it. Some people were put to death because of it. I mean, this is a pretty risky proposition. And so Mary is put in this place where Mary was an ordinary girl. But here's the second thing that I want to talk about is Mary was available. She didn't look at her credentials and say, but who am I? I can't do this. She didn't say, but I'm just a regular girl in a regular household in a regular neighborhood doing regular things. Don't you need to call somebody with a little bit of a higher prestige than, than what I have? She'd said, no, I'm, I'm available. In fact, she didn't have exceptional courage. She didn't have exceptional boldness. In fact, if anything, she was scared. I bet she was scared of the supernatural. Supernatural. I bet she was fearful of what was actually going to be growing inside of her. I mean, it's already freaky enough that we have humans growing inside of other humans. But to have something like, like I got God growing inside of me, that's like a whole other level of childbirth. I mean, I don't know, was it standard childbirth? Did it hurt a lot? Or was it like, I, I don't know. I got all these questions. But an angel showed up in her bedroom beyond her experiences. If it, me, if it was me, I would have panicked if an angel had shown up. Maybe she did too. In fact, every time angels show up, they say, "Hey, <laughs> don't be scared," because everybody's probably terrified. She was probably terrified. She had a fear of the supernatural. She said, "I'm a virgin. How can this, this happen? happened? This is even beyond her intellect, beyond her processes. She understood how you get pregnant, and and let's said, I have not done these things that will get me pregnant. So, how am I supposed to have a baby?" It was beyond her intellect. It was beyond natural. It was super to the natural. It was supernatural. I imagine that she would have had a fear of criticism in this moment as well. Imagine the gossip that would have flown around her. Did you see? She's not even married and she's pregnant. Oh man, that's crazy. I, she says she's a virgin. <laughs> Yeah, like those Old Testament prophecies, <laughs> right? Sure. Oh yeah, Mary, you got a savior. I, I'm sure there was some sarcasm in there. I'm sure there was some criticism. I'm sure she had to deal with some stuff. I mean, how? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that was to be a common excuse of how they got pregnant. But but maybe it maybe it was. I I don't know. But to say, oh, I'm a virgin. I promise. Uh, it's a savior growing inside of me. I'm sure that she was mocked and ridiculed for anybody that would have heard that example. Pregnancy before marriage was a serious offense in that century. If she wasn't put to death, as she could have been, she would have been the target of so much scandalous talk. I imagine she had a fear of how this would change her life. Mary could not know what the future would hold. Before it was all over, she would experience heartache, opposition, slander, confusion, anguish, despair, and loneliness. In the end, she would have faced the greatest pain a mother can endure when she would watch her son be murdered on a cross 30-something years later. I imagine she had a fear that Joseph would leave her. Could you imagine being engaged to a gal and she gets pregnant and you're like, um, I, I know it wasn't me. This thing is over. But he didn't. But I imagine that fear would have been all over her. In fact, it said that he thought about it. It said that he actually wanted to. He thought, and he said to himself, Joseph said to himself, hey, I'm just going to go quietly do this and sneak out the back door and run away because this is too much for me. But it wasn't until the Lord visited him as well to fill him in on the plan. And the last fear that I think that she would have been facing is the fear of being unable to do what God demands. How in the world does one rear the son of God whose kingdom will never end? No pressure. All the moms out there, you already feel like a whole lot of pressure, don't you? You're like, oh, man, I got, everybody's judging me based on how my kid's behavior is. You know, don't give him any candy because, you know, I've got to keep my street cred intact. But, but Jesus now is like, I, now i got the son of God whose kingdom will never end? Oh, my gosh. I, I just couldn't imagine the pressure. I mean, what do you do with your son? Do you, do you praise him or do you feed him? Do you, like, if he's, did he get spanked ever? Like, was he ever disciplined? I mean, I don't know. And, and what if he is misbehaving do you, like, as a parent, you're like, I, do I do I spank him? I, do what do I do? Do I ground him? I I don't know. I I could imagine everything in her mind as she's processing through this, the all of the unknowns and and the insane pressure that she must have felt. If the two year old Jesus demands something, do you give it to him? I, I just I don't know. So she wasn't. A normal girl of an unexceptional ability, an unexceptional learning. She didn't have status or position. She just seemed like a normal girl, a commoner. So why did God pick Mary to do this amazing thing? You know, I think she had one attribute that made her worthy of God's selection. And it's this. She was willing to be available. Despite the fear, despite the Potential oppositions, despite the insanity that was probably running through her mind as, as the angel is laying out this plan i 'm sure the millions of questions going through her head thinking about it do I, do I discipline him or, or not or, or, or what do I do? I mean really how do I what about this and what about that? And people are going to ridicule me, I might even die, they might murder me I mean I guess if an angel's doing this, maybe God'll protect me, but but now what 's going to happen i 'm engaged, but my, my fiance might might leave me, my whole world might get shattered. I mean if I just say no to this, then I can just go on my normal life, my average life. I mean I'm I'm fine with average. I'm fine with just blending in. I'm fine with just being part of the system. I, I can be in this world and and, and 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 you know and I just I'll just love God and love my family and things will be fine. But she was willing to be available. She was willing to move beyond her her fears and into a place of obedience. You know? I think God is still looking for available people. I think God is still looking for available people. People who are who are willing to say, okay, well, my fears of this and that and the other, they're valid. I'm not saying that you can't be afraid. I'm not saying that Mary wasn't afraid. But when God calls you to do something, are, are you going to let the fear win? Are you going to have some faith that what God's calling you and asking you to do? I mean, if God's calling you to this great thing, don't you think he can work out some of the details? He's not asking you to have the best education, the best position, the most money in the bank, or the most influence in this world. He's, he's looking for people that are willing to be available. He's looking for people that are willing to be available And God was looking for the same availability in us that was in Mary. This Christmas message is a a little shorter than normal. I hope you don't mind. The Broncos aren't even playing today. So, So, I don't know. If the band would come, we're actually going to wrap up here in a few moments. You know, we'll have the same limitations and the same fears that she had. I mean, what will people re- really think if if I'm doing this? Are people going to gossip about me? I'm sure Mary had that thought. What about the trash talking I'm going to get when I start actually doing something that God's called me to do? That same fear is here and real today, right? God, if, you, if you're asking me to do this thing, then... If you're asking me to follow, am I going to get ridiculed? Are people going to talk about me behind my back? What about these opinions of these other people? They're going to call me names like, I don't know what, Jesus Freak or Super Christian. Or, and, and when I come walking in the room, are they going to stop their swear words and be like, oh, sorry, pre- the preacher man's here. I get that everywhere that I go now. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's the craziest thing as a, as a pastor. People would cuss and swear around me all the time. And, then, and now they'll, they'll cuss and swear around me all the time and, and, and talk about things that are they shouldn't be talking about. I'm like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, my pastor. Oh, God. Oh. You know, and they're replaying every conversation they've had. Everything came out of the mouth in the last fight. And then they're apologetic normally. But And they're like, oh, sorry, sorry. I was like, well, I've never heard those words before. What do they mean? Yeah, no, I just, you know, I let it go. How did you, you say that one? No, but... The fear of commitment and the fear of following the Lord are real fears. You may have real consequences in your life by stepping out and doing what God has called you to do. People may change their behavior around you. They may treat you differently and awkwardly. You might have things that happen in your life like that. You'd be in good company, you know. Moses... One of the great heroes in the Old Testament was scared to death to do what God called him to do. He was terrified. He said, I can't do that. Don't you know why I, I, I said, stutter? I can't stand in front of this guy and, and, and speak eloquently. I'm not, I'm not a leader, I'm, I'm a shepherd. I'm not gonna, no, I don't know. God, he made all kinds of excuses. And if you have excuses in your head as to, to why you don't wanna do what God's calling you to do, just know that that struggle is normal. The struggle is something that every one of us face. The struggle that I face and the struggle that you face. And I know that that is the same struggle that Mary probably faced in her own mind. of, "Now What about this? And What about that? And I don't know. It's a real struggle when God calls you to do something. I want to encourage you to, to rise above that fear of what others might think. Rise above that fear of how you're going to be treated differently. Rise above that, that challenge that, that I know that is rising up in your mind when the Lord calls you to something. I mean, I'm afraid to follow Christ's example too. Don't you know that? Like if I'm a Christian and I'm now hiding, held to the standard, how many times have, has somebody been like, huh, you're a Christian? Every Christian I know is a blankety blank, blank, blank. What's those words mean? But like, what, like what, you know what I mean? Like the hypocrite, people like automatically associate things with you when you say you're a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. Or when you say, can I come pray for you? I feel like God told me to pray for you. And that they give you the weirdest look, like, what in the world? You're a weirdo. Yeah, probably am. But you know, following Christ, you see Christ suffering, and you think to yourself, am I, am I gonna suffer like Christ? You know, Jesus said this that in Luke 14 it says, Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Some of us are carrying some heavy burdens today. Some of us will be lonely this year. Some of us are facing a financial crisis that looks hopeless to you right now. There's somebody here who's out of work and you're looking for a job. There's some of you that are in a marriage thinking that it's going to end. Some of you here looking for a marriage thinking I'm never going to find that person. You have estranged members from your family, you have children who have fallen away from the Lord. Some of us feel empty and far away from God yourself. And you're carrying some heavy burdens, and the Lord wants to take those. The call of God gives you and me is the same call that He gives to Mary. So, will we carry Jesus with us where we go, just like Mary carried Jesus with her where she went? Are you willing to carry Jesus with you every step of the way? Regardless of what others might think of you. Regardless of the pressure you put on yourself to live up to a certain standard. Regardless of the the hardships that you may think will happen in your life. Are you willing to carry Jesus wherever you go? Will you bring Jesus into the world by sharing him with others? So God's announcement in Luke really wasn't about Mary. It was actually about Jesus. See, God's call to you and me really isn't about you or me. (laughs) It's about the Spirit of God working through us to make a difference in the world around us. This morning, I wanted to ask you the same question that Mary had to wrestle with. Are you willing to be available for what God wants you to do? Are you willing to be available? Are you available to carry Jesus everywhere that you go? Despite the consequences, despite what somebody may speak about you, to your face or behind your back, are you willing? Are you willing to go through maybe personal suffering like Christ even went through personal suffering? Are you willing to do that? God isn't looking for qualified people to call into the ministry. He's not looking for qualified people to call into doing some great things. He's looking for somebody who is willing. He doesn't, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you say to yourself, I'm just like Mary. I'm living this average life, doing average things in an average house. with My 2.5 kids, my white picket fence, and a dog. Like, I, I, I'm just blending in, and I'm fine with that. Please don't rock the boat. Listen, God wants to do something amazing in your life and through your life. He wants to work through you to impact others. And it's not about you, it's about Jesus. But are you available? Are you willing? Will you answer the call that God has placed on your life? We're going to stand in a moment. In fact, we stand now. We're going to sing one last song before we leave this morning. As the As we're singing, our prayer teams are going to be available. They're going to want to pray with you if you have anything you need prayer for. It might be something that's going on in your life. It might be something that's going on in the life of somebody around you. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a physical healing. It could be emotional healing. It could be anything that you need. We have people that are here and trained and want to pray with you. They'll be on either side of the stage. So come on, church. Let's sing one last time before we leave.